Yo! How's it going, everyone? Welcome to our 20th episode of Press Play with Augie and Riz. I'm Augie. Hey, and I'm Riz. I can't believe it's been 20. What? This is a weekly podcast where we, 20-year-olds, discuss movies, <laughs> TV, music, and anything we think you guys might like to listen to. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. We have an email where you can send us some funny stories at gopressplay2 at gmail.com. Or you can follow us or hit us up via Instagram at PressPlayAR. That's go press play the number two at gmail.com and PressPlayAR on Instagram. On today's episode, we'll tell you what we think about the new Mutants trailer. And we'll give brief reviews of the shows The Politician, Fosse Verdon, and AJ and the Queen. Riz keeps you informed with the latest of DVD and music that are out this week. And we'll end it, as always, with Six Degrees of Separation and our Fact of the Week. But first, quick news! So we haven't really been to the movies lately since the new year. Uh, We've been trying to uh, take down the... Christmas decorations. And really that much has been coming out. We were going to see Cats. We had Cats on the list, but it got awful, awful, awful reviews. And we're like, yeah, you know what? Let's not do this. Yeah, we can wait. We can wait until... uh, Redbox. Redbox. Yeah. (laughs) It looks awful. Yeah. So, But we have been uh, watching and keeping up with a lot of TV. Uh, So let's jump right in. I just finished Handsmaid's Tale or got caught up just by the way. Um, if anyone wants to talk to me about that, you can because August Augie has not been watching it with me. No, I am not emotionally ready for a show like that. I I there's a lot of shows that I have been holding back you Riz for and Handmaid's Tale is one of them. Uh, until I just told him, you know what, you can just watch it. But at the same time, I think you were like, you know what, F you, I'm going to watch this. <laughs> Not F you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I don't think I'm emotionally ready to to be with, to start a show like that, of that type of of storyline. Um, how, how do you like it? It's actually just a really good show. Like, there's a lot of, of good twists and turns. Yeah, it's creepy. Yeah, yeah you could kind of see how how this dystopian future ended up the way they did the way you know our country is currently going uh our our current president and the way that uh, the supreme court has been stacked up in a certain way and basically let's be honest been stolen uh from by uh our uh, mitch mcconnell in the senate um Honestly, it's. It, it, I don't think Handmaid's Tale could get to the point that it is in that show, but we're about to likely lose a lot of our rights, and it's going to start. On the cusp. It's going to start start with us LGBT and uh, uh, ladies. All all you single ladies, you better watch out because you're next. All the single ladies. All, all the, the single, single ladies. ladies. All no more choice, no more, <laughs> no more birth control. There was like one girl at my job who's who told me, "Oh, I wish, like it was back then where like before women had rights, 
because now I have to work. I have to do this. I'm like, really, bitch? Like, do you, you don't I, have to do anything. You, you don't have to do anything. Go, you know, go find yourself a rich man if that's what you want to do. But it's like with like women's race was just over a little over 100 years ago. And I, I don't think she understood what she was trying to say. No. And I felt like that was very, very ignorant. And I'm like, girl, like, before women's right, you wouldn't be sitting there. Mm-hmm. You would probably be sitting, like, at a sweatshop making, like, 16 cent an hour under the table. But, wow. Like, women, be grateful of of the little rights that you have here in this country. Because with The Handmaid's Tale, that's mirroring what can happen and what's currently happened but this is not the podcast for that uh but just do your research and 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 know your laws and know what and, and vote vote like your your life depends on it or like your your um your rights depend on it because it, they do they will be taken away they will 100 percent be taken away in the handmaid's tale it starts off with uh freaking um, woman having or losing the right to decide their birth control. They have to get it signed by their by their husband. Get a get a prescription signed by their husband in order to get birth control. Hmm. That's where it starts. And and I could see a law like that go through like nothing, like nothing, because crazy laws like that go through every day. And all we need is. And they have it. I think they have the Supreme Court right now. They're gonna. They're going to go after rights. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Although good news, she started off 2020 cancer free, but sister is hanging by a thread. And if she goes, that means it gives number oh, yeah. 45. I'm sure a great opportunity and a distraction. Uh, to fill that spot. I'm sure Mitch McConnell would, would use the same rules that he used for Obama. Oh, my God. But, you know, during during an election year, we shouldn't blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I'm sure he'll yeah, it was do like that. A year he, he's not a hypocritical months. little turtle piece of shit. We are going way off. Yeah, this is not the So what other, <laughs> what other... We've been watching The Politician. Talking about politics. Yeah. Netflix has a show called The Politician. Uh, who Who's the dude? What's the dude's name? Ben Pratt? No. Ben Shapiro. No. Ben Stiller. No. Ben. Big ben. Are we gonna keep going? I'll look oh, it no. up. Well, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow is in it and a, it, it has other great cast members as well. Um and it's basically these twenty nine year old actors playing Did you say Ben Platt? Yeah. Oh. Ben Pratt. Oh no, it's Platt. Platt. Oh yeah, yeah. He okay. was in uh, um, the singing show Glee. No, uh, no the singing Glee. movie Pitch Perfect. Pitch the Pitch Perfect. Was he in number two? I think he was. Yeah. yeah. And then they got rid of all the guys for the third one. So it's these twenty-nine-year-old actors playing these high schoolers. When is Hollywood gonna learn that? But whatever. It doesn't um, bother me. I think they do it because. Uh, it, there's like a lot of mature content, so yeah. In AG and the Queen, there's a seven-year-old child cursing up a storm. <laughs> like, <laughs> but that's not you know. 
I think cursing's one thing uh, when you get like into the sex and everything. It's a little like this is an adult show. It isn't. It isn't for kids. You know what I mean? Or it isn't for teenagers. So Ben Platt plays like this guy who is an aspiring uh, presidential high school presidential candidate. Uh, he comes from a well-off family. He is adopted by Gwyneth Paltrow and her husband and. You know, they live very comfortably in his mind and and he's very like strategic in his life of what he wants to do and what he wants to achieve in order for in the future to one day become president of the United States. Right. Uh, And he wants to get into Harvard as well because he has like this certain amount of presidents have gone to Harvard. So. Um, and then it's just very, very meticulous, very like a, almost like a, a real, not that high school elections aren't real, but they have uh, survey takers or pollsters and they have, they're very thought out about who they choose for their vice president. Uh, he chooses a, um, a young girl who has been suffering from cancer. Played by uh, Zoe Zoe or Zoe D- Dutch, who is uh, Leah T- Leah Thompson's daughter. Uh, you might recognize her. She was she was the mom in Back to the Future, uh, and they, there is a resemble a, fa- a family resemblance. And I'd seen her in a few things, and this is uh, the first time that I had seen her in this this sort of like sort of like taking taking her back because what I'd seen her I'd seen her I think in The Ringer. With Sarah Michelle Gellar, where she played her stepdaughter, over-sexualized sex- stepdaughter, um, and in this she's more more childlike. She's very like her storyline is very based on uh, Gypsy Rose, Gypsy Rose, and the act. Which, when I first started seeing that, I thought it was very, it was very weak, you know, to use that type of story to do another show or to have like a backstory to someone. I felt like they didn't really thought about it or it was just for, for me, it was very lazy. And I can guarantee the writers were sitting around thinking, Oh my gosh, we're going to basically write this, like have a base based off of this. And we're, we're so brilliant. And, yeah. and it was just, so right. uh, it goes on until the election day. I mean, the the show it's smart, it's funny. Uh, there is a non-binary actor uh, there who plays um, what 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 would you call it? like a presidential advisor? Yeah, and they don't make they they don't make a uh, any big deal about it or any announcement about. Uh, this character, I think he's just male on the show. Yeah, his he goes. Uh, his character name is James. James, right? And in the show, he he sleeps with Ben Platt's girlfriend, on screen girlfriend. Yes. Yeah. So I guess in this show, he's probably just a straight male, uh, or just non-binary, and yeah. his name is James and whatnot, whatever. Uh, That's interesting. If you guys like the political aspect, if you guys like. Uh, that fast-paced talking, a la social network type thing. Um, There's yeah, the one girl, the uh, the girl her, with the brown brown long other, hair. Her other, his other advisor. His other, I'm sorry. She talks a million miles per minute. You have to like sit there and watch her. She's so and she's so, so mon- smart. the monotone yeah. the way that she talks. It's like, 
all right, this is the this is the poll. We have to do this and blah blah blah. blah, blah, blah. And you're like, wait, wait. And she like like she has no almost no emotion She's to lay. She talks. She's interesting. Yeah. And uh, the the interesting um, storyline for the LGBT uh, listeners out there, uh, it in the first episode, uh, his main competition for the election is actually a friend of his who had been. Um, tutoring him in Cantonese Mandarin in Mandarin uh and they had sort of like a a love affair like a connection I don't think it went that far uh did they yeah like they had sex it was pretty clear and and they also had a three-way with his girlfriend oh wow I that part was completely blurred from my really I I okay and and it it kind of sucks because uh spoiler alert uh, that character uh, dies in the first episode, and I think that would have, for me, that would was a very interesting storyline to see that go forward, and to see. Uh, uh, there's some points in this show where you kind of think that Ben Platt's character's a, a, an emotionless psychopath, but when he was dealing with that one character, or in, at his funeral when he sang the song and became emotional, you could see that there wasn't. There was emotion there, and he may have his mind going straight for the presidency or whatever. And in the last few episodes, now he's he just wants to wants to be a theater kid. I think in that part, whoops, that was a truck passing by, guys. We changed the location of what where we're recording today. Check out our Instagram to see where we're recording. It's actually pretty beautiful. We have a flower that's about to bloom in the background. And um, it's nice. Yeah, it's nice. Um. But back to this little quick news of the politician. Um, yeah, he, he at the end of the sh- uh, or closer to the where we're at now in the show. Uh, I think he's just doing that theater thing in in the sense of redemption for him fucking um, fucking over so many people. Leah Thompson's daughter. Oh, okay, yeah, that's right. Because he brought her in to, and he's to like, also do it. Because he was—he's good in school. He's known as a good singer, a good performer, and right off the bat, the director's like, "Hey, you got the part, whatever part you want." Yeah, because he heard him uh, sing a song at um, at the funeral. At the funeral, and Ben Platt is very talented. Uh, he was in uh, Dear Evan Hansen, which I'd never seen, but I, I'd seen, you know, like. Uh, performances on talk shows and stuff like that and he's very emotional so in the tryout he tells the director i could only be in the show if you can allow her uh leah thompson's daughter to to be part of the play and And she is cute as a button let's be honest uh so i think that part is just like his little little apology for her for for trying to like screw her over but it has a lot of twists and turns. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow has a great, great storyline uh, where she has to decide for her whether what's good for her as a person or what's good for her son. And it really challenges her as as a mother, the decision that she has to make. And... Yeah, uh, there's an interesting cameo from Martina, uh, the tennis star, Martina Navratilova, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm like, is that is that who I think it is? And it was, which was pretty <laughs> cool. Um, she's acting. Um, and, oh, my God, I, I'm, 
I'm drawing a blank on this this woman's name. Uh, uh, Destiny's grandmother, the actress Jessica Lang. Jessica Lang is in it because this is a, a a Ryan Murphy show, and of course, um, well, not of course because she hasn't she doesn't want to come back to American Horror Story anymore, which you know I don't blame her. Uh, but you know she's fantastic as well. You know it's the cliche storyline, but you know I'd watch her. I'd watch her. You know chip paint from a wall you know great and on the note of american horror story uh the show has been renewed for three more seasons so we'll see what they come up and what type of genre and sarah paulson has already said that she she definitely will be back as a main character next season so that means i'm in you know i wonder why she wasn't in 1984 do you think it was have to do with her filming Bird box or glass or glass. She, yeah, she might have just taken a break. She decided this was like Evan Peters took a break as well. I don't think Evan Peters is going to be back either because he said that the, the previous seasons were just too dark for him and he yeah. went too dark, um, which I don't blame him. Uh, I, I honestly, if Sarah Paulson wasn't coming back, I think I would probably give it a rest as well because I was very disappointed uh, with the last season. Yeah, me too. Next show we have is Fosse Verdon. It is a show with Sam Rockwell and Gwyneth Paltrow. And they... (laughs) It's not a show with Gwyneth Paltrow. It is a show with Michelle Williams. Gwyneth Paltrow is fantastic, though. She's awesome, but she's not in this show. Sorry, guys. I'm sorry to disrespect you, Riz, because I know you like Michelle Williams. No, no disrespect. It's okay. Uh, the show roughly revolves around Bob Fosse and Gwen Verdon and their tumultuous is that how you pronounce it? Tumultuous? Uh, relationship as they go through life with whatever they produce in Hollywood, starting from uh, Sweet Charity, Cabaret, uh, All That Jazz, uh, Chicago. The, oh, of course. All uh, that, yeah, that's right. All That Jazz was a, a movie. And this is uh, your second time watching it, and uh, this yeah, is I'm my re-watching. first time. And the reason why we want to watch it again was because there were, you know, buzz about Golden Globes, and we wanted to, to catch it. And you kept on telling me, watch it, because it, it, it lightly is around theater, and it's around musicals, and it's something that you thought that I might be interested in. Um, but I was a bit apprehensive because... It's exactly how I told you the show was about. Like, her giving Fosse a second chance or chance after chance after chance. One of the... But there isn't, like, there isn't a second chance. As far as their relationship goes, they're done. They're, they, they're literally done. I mean, they, they, it's true they never get a divorce, but... Fosse is so manipulative and likes to fucking. Um, she is too. She's she's manipulative too, is. and that's that's you know, not necessarily, not necessarily. If the only reason she has anything to do with him other than their daughter is she wants to to how do I say it? She she wants her her current career to be furthered because she can't she can't do Chicago on her own. She can't get Chicago on her own off, you know, off the ground. She needs Fosse to do it. So she needs she needs him, even though she she wants nothing to do with him any other way. 
like for her career she needs him because she's an older actress now at this point she's you know in her i think mid 40s which is ancient as far as dancing goes nobody wants to cast her anything she's not a a quote unquote young ingenue anymore so she literally has nothing she's doing a straight play in the last uh in the last episode which they made her audition for and then she wasn't even their first choice you know it's depressing and she she just doesn't want to go away i guess she wants the limelight and she feels i think at this point that that bob fossey is her only way to the to the limelight the episode we watched before this one that we watched today was mostly about the origin and how they met and how Fosse uh, serenaded her. Uh, Ver, uh, Gwen Verdon did know that Fosse was married or had a girlfriend with an actress. Um, and they started like fooling around and stuff like that until the actress came on to rehearsal and Gwen saw her there sick. And that's when she was like, holy crap, like not only am I committing adultery with this man, I'm doing it to a sick wife's husband, you know? And she felt super guilty and she's like, I'm not going to do this. I cannot take the husband of a sick woman's sick woman away. Uh, but he's like, no, I'm planning to leave her. I'm planning to leave her. At the same time, she's dating an actor, a Hollywood actor come up uh, as well. So they got to like this place in both of their relationship where they're like, you, you know, you leave your dude and I'll leave my girl. Um, there's there's a fantastic scene where uh, uh, Fosse's first wife confronts Gwen, I think, in a bathroom. And she tells tells premiere. she tells the story of how they uh, about how she and Fosse met that. Uh, he was just a dancer in some play and he was, well, actually that might've been his second wife. He was married to one of the chorus girls mm -hmm. at the time and sh that she became his mistress. So basically she knew that it was, you know, it was all going to turn around that this is, you know, this is what you're getting into and it, it's going to happen to you. And yes. that, that, um, that fed into the future scenes the future scenes as well, when it was happening to, to Gwen as well. Fosse tells Gwen, hey, we're going to be together. Just leave your man. And Gwen turns around and she's like, well, you got to leave your your wife. And he she walks out. And in the next scene, he comes to Gwen and he tells Gwen, hey, I left her. We're done. It's just me and you. That's it. Oh, and by the way, I'm broke. You're going to have to help me pay for my ex-wife's medical expenses. Mm -hmm. And here comes Gwen, all naive, and she's like, of course I will. How can I not? And I'm like, really, bitch? Like, Well, that was not na na naive naivety. I think that was guilt. She felt that she had taken this this woman's husband away from her, and it was just pity and guilt by paying those expenses. And in this episode, uh, uh, Fosse, I'm sorry, is editing Cabaret, which is going to be uh, his 
win for Oscar for Best Director, and he is having such a hard time editing. In fact, when they started editing, the complete already edited version was four hours long, where Fosse got really insulted, and he's like, how could you even touch my film without me being here? And he's having such a hard time. He can't connect the dots. He feels like some parts of the movie is pointless or there's no no real story art connection and at the same time like you were saying uh Gwen was auditioning for this straight play uh a straight play does not mean heterosexual play it means it's not it's not a musical it's just a regular theater play yeah no singing no dancing which is totally out of I guess Gwen's comfort zone or her expertise so I think that's why the casting directors really didn't take her seriously or wasn't her first choice because the role that she was also trying out for is a more somber serious role whereas Gwen's personality is ha-cha-cha plie dance knee high kick and all that stuff so it was you know it was very crass between her and and the casting director and she went, um, Fosse's been trying to go after Verdon to help him with the editing of Cabaret. And Gwen's like, no, I have my own things I need to do. I have to uh, audition for this part. Uh, and then later she's like, I can't deal with you or I can't deal with your editing because now I'm, I'm, I got the part and, and I have to learn my lines. And, and it's a lot going on. Until there was a scene where Gwen was in rehearsal and she was not getting any positive feedback from from the from the director or the producer of the play that she was in. And at first I was because Gwen goes back to to Fosse and at the end of the show helps decides to help him. And I told you that's dumb you know why would she go back she didn't have to but then you told me that the reason why or the reason why it played out like that is because Gwen wanted some sort of validation right they they the two characters just work well together they they have a rapport regardless of whether they're in a relationship or not they uh how, how do you call it um they have a good working chemistry, uh, regardless. And she a needed that validation, and b she she had she she wanted basically his help as well with the play. She thought that maybe uh, he could give her pointers, maybe take a look at the script. Oh, wow! When he brought it up, oh look, I have the script right in my purse. Can you take a look? Type thing because where he insulted her yeah, really badly because. The reason why she went to him also it shows a sense of like she wanted acceptance and where where she feels like she belongs that in the play well, yeah. she didn't she she felt like a fish out of water it wasn't her thing and even the conversation she's had with the producer or the director of the play uh, she tried to like joke around with them and they weren't having it there was like it was very different from them so I think her deciding to go to Fosse to the editing room to help him edit the movie Cabaret it was more of like a sense of a validation and belonging where as you said you know it was also to see if she can get help from Fosse for this script and in the script she plays a mother who has a son 
And I'm not going to go into the details of Gwen's background. That was her motorcycle. About Gwen, Gwen's background or her origin story. But Fosse told her, you know, tell them to rewrite the whole plot, the whole part. And to have a girl instead of a boy. Because technically you never raised a boy. Where Gwen really got super insulted and cursed him out and walked out. Um, because, yeah. Uh, well, her background, she did have a, she does have, a boy, yeah. a, a son, that she left behind. Okay. Which, obviously, Fosky knew. And he just stabbed her with it. And, obviously, she was completely hurt by that. And... The that episode ended with, um. Well, how did it end? Well, she went back and did the did this big monologue with the scene, and she kind of focused on one of the little boys, and she did fantastic, and she kind of looked up at the director to see what he thought, some sort of approval. Yeah, and he said, "Okay, just next time, focus on all the kids, and okay, lunch, and we'll move on to something else." Which means we're no longer on this. You did good. He didn't even say she did good, but we're like moving really on. Annoyed and he's like, yeah, whatever. Let's just move on. No, I think that like if if he didn't like her, he would have said something. Oh. Like, let's move on. In 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 that sort of setting means good. That's good. At least good enough. We'll move on to something else because when when she, he was getting on her case before when they were just reading, she's like, oh well, why don't we move on to this next scene? And he's like, no, we need to we need to focus on you some more, and it made her really uncomfortable. Um, that's my opinion. That's the way I saw it. Uh, and it ended with her like basically the monologue and her smoking alone and hearing just a baby crying uh, in her head. So, it's a good it's a good show. It's it's drama, but it revolves around musicals and plays because that's that's who who they are. So, if you guys are watching this or have watched it, let us know. Hit us up either on email or on Instagram and let us know if you like the show or the politician or any other shows that we are discussing today. Or Handmaid's Tale. Okay, so the next show that we are watching or we just started to watch is Netflix's AJ and the Queen. It is written and created by RuPaul Charles. I didn't know that it was written by RuPaul Charles. Yeah, it took a, it's co- co-written. Uh, I don't, can't remember the other co-writer, uh, but it's also co-created by that same person. No kidding. And this is a project that RuPaul has been working for for about two years, actually. And I'm you, really you happy. You mentioned it several times. I think you probably heard it on uh, on her podcast. RuPaul and Michelle Fazaj's uh, What's the podcast. Tea? Mm-hmm. What's the tea? It's peach. <laughs> peach flavor tea. Um, so keep it. Ha! So, uh... We saw the first episode, and I was absolutely surprised by the amount of famous RuPaul drag race drag queens that were there. I kind of wasn't. I was expecting a lot of little cameos. Uh, I mean, if you see any any movie, um, any like movie with a drag um, main character, you see a lot of background. Oh my gosh, that that person like little cameos because. They have, you know, not that they have the time, but they're they're. It's a small. It's not a small, but it's a community, and yeah. Well, they're 
um, their life is performing, and it's like, oh, come come for a day and perform. You know what I mean? Put put on the makeup and say a line. Uh, Miss Vanjie had one line, which you know was not Miss Vanjie. Yeah. Miss Vanjie. Uh, Eureka O'Hara was there. Valentina was there. A few more that I recognized. Uh, shoot, who was uh, the one uh, looking down up down upstairs? At that was RuPaul. Eureka O'Hara. Really, and Valentina. Okay, I thought it was like an older, older ones. No, all right. So uh, the show is about uh, this drag queen named Ruby Rose or Ruby Red. I'm sorry. And she is this already seasoned drag queen who has spent most of her life saving up money to one day open up her own gay club or her own drag bar. Drag bar. And she finally did, and she leaves in a sour note from the club that laundry's done. No. <laughs> uh, from the... Uh, club that she's performing and she meets at the same time this guy who's she's been dating for or he's been dating for seven months and he is like a business exec and or something like that or a club promoter and he is just head over here for this guy um where they got to the point where they're going to meet the property owner to buy the club Think she saved, or uh, at least the club. Yeah, about a hundred thousand dollars. Yep. Uh, and then what he was gonna do is buy the club, have it, you know, renovated, and do this tour in the meantime to promote that club. So she, I think she's he was gonna end it back at that club. I don't know. So they go to like this restaurant, and Ruby Reds gives him matching credit cards or credit cards with both their names on it and for me i'm like huge red flag seven months and you're already putting him in your credit card i guess the next day he goes and you know he realized that the guy took the money uh when they went to purchase yeah to sign sign the papers Uh, they came back with the card is decline and now the whole show premise is uh, getting that money back, finding the guy, and where AJ falls into places. AJ is a little kid that lives upstairs of Ruby Ro- uh, Ruby Rose's apartment, who has been homeless for about a month, and his mom is like a crack whore, and she, the kid doesn't know where the mom is. The kid hears that you know, unfortunately, they stole the money that. He still has to go perform this cross-country uh, concert that he's doing, and his first stop is Texas, and the kids. Or I think the uh, I think one of the last stops is Texas. Or yeah, one of the stops is Texas, and the kid sneaks into the RV and tells Ruby Red, "Hey, Rose, or Ruby Rose, hey, I don't know where my mom is, like." I heard you said that, you know, you were going to Texas and my grandfather lives there. Take me to Texas and thus start the, the this adventure of AJ and, and the Queen. It's super campy, cheeky, funny, dramedy uh, type of show. 
If you like that, I would say go see it. If you like RuPaul Drag Race and want to get your fix in before the new season happens, whenever that's going to happen, this will be a great show for you to hold you over because it got great cast. It got good cameo. Who was the the actress that you were surprised of seeing? Uh, Tia Carrere. Yeah. Uh, party on. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about. Party on, Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> The only thing, the only plot hole that I kind of maybe picked up on was this guy, uh, RuPaul's boyfriend, actually turned out to be a con artist, and he had a different name. So I, the only thing that I thought was that if he used the credit card with his, you know, fake name, can't, you know, Ruby Rose dispute those charges and everything is good. That's the only thing that I was thinking. And if... He transferred the money. Wouldn't they? Can't they investigate where that money went to? Because you can't withdraw a hundred thousand dollars off the bat. I'm sure there's some sort of bank investigation or paperwork, I don't, like a whole the whole amount. I don't think they they mentioned that he that he actually. They didn't. I'm just I'm just assuming like that would be another. I think he just ran up the credit card. She might have had fantastic credit, like up to fifty thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars, and he just maxed it out and screwed her over but yeah good point or good eye on that plot hole hopefully that gets that gets addressed but in back to when you know the big reveal that the kid is in the rv she'd been wearing a a skull what do you call those things a scully a scully the whole time and when it came off it or you know she had long hair and RuPaul's like, you're a girl. And, you know, I mean, we knew it was a girl because we read the description, but they did kind of lead us on to make us think that it could have been a boy. Yeah, he was, the kid was grungy. It had a, a tan top, a dirty tan top. And, and he cussed like a sailor. Yeah, so, yeah, it came off like a, a boy uh, or made us to believe that it was a boy. But at the end of the show, it is a girl. Um, and then and she's like, shut up. And she put her, her hat back on. So there might be like a, a, a gender, a fluidy story, you know, from a young character's perspective there. Um, milk's here. The milk's here? I don't know. Milk <laughs> truck? The truck. Milk truck. Which, which is interesting, which, you know, you don't see a lot of or at all on TV. So... Uh, I'm interested to go go on this ride to Texas with uh, AJ and the Queen. Me too. I call shotgun. And the funny character, the blind character, the blind roommate. Uh, uh, I think that's my favorite character in the show. And I think they're gonna like have little scenes with with that character going back because she's gonna set up, try to set up the con artist. That's what they said with the police with the and there might be a, a romantic connection with a, one of the police officers. Do you think that the the crack whore is AJ's mom? Yeah. Me too. Yeah. They they had this recurring recurring, I mean we watched one episode recurring like she kept showing up in different scenes crack whore throughout the show, yeah. Um and I you know, you have the same theory as I do that that might be AJ's mom. And from theory to multiverse our next subject that we're going to... Oh, by the way, catch AJ and the Queen. It's available on Netflix. The entire first season the is in- currently available, so check it out wherever you stream shows on Netflix. Wow. You should work as a commentator for Netflix. That's what I keep 
telling Netflix what the hell? what the hell? It sounded like a bunch of crazy people. Now the dogs are crazy. Oh my god! We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Our next thing that we're gonna talk about is Doctor Strange director Scott Derrickson leaves um, as the as the director. <laughs> uh, it's really sad news because it seems that there is a pattern here for Marvel Studios in the MCU. This exactly happened with Patty Jenkins in Thor Ragnarok. I'm sorry, it's a second. The Dark World? Yeah, Thor The Dark War World. Uh, Ant-Man movie. It also happened with... Uh, what was the other movie that the original director left? But there seems to be a pattern here. Um, was it one of the Guardians of the Galaxy? Oh, no, no, no. That's no. Sean Gunn. Yeah. And he will be back. He, right? It's James Gunn. Sean James Gunn. Sean who, is his brother. Who plays the anima animation of Rocket Raccoon. Really? Mm -hmm. But he's also in, in the actual movie. Yes, yes. Okay. As like his, his uh, human self. Correct. So it's... What's it, the name of the full name of the movie again? Doctor Strange and the Multiverse? Or? And the Road to the Multiverse or something. <laughs> it's not Road to Multiverse. That's Family Guy. Road, uh, Multiverse of Madness. Oh. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I like Family Guy's version better. <laughs> Road to Multiverse. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, again, pretty sad. Uh, there seems to be a weird pattern here. I feel like this was not going to... to wasn't there a story that you told me recently that there was some like uh, Tom Derrickson had had given or Scott Derrickson had given some sort of interview where there might have been a disagreement with Marvel? Not really a disagreement. I know the conversation that you you are thinking of. There was an interview where he said that the movie, the second movie of Doctor Strange was going to be a horror and there were articles going everywhere that it's the MCU first horror movie in the MCU and it was going to be a game changer and that Scarlet Witch is going to be in it and that we have to pay attention to WandaVision in order to understand this and da 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 but it was going to be horror um then later Kevin Feige pops out and said uh not really it's not really a horror movie he specifically said it is a big MCU film with some scary sequences. Okay. So just by that, you can already know that it's they have like their thumb on top of this. And that whole line that it is a big MCU film, meaning that you're still going to get the sticks. You're still going to get that visual that... That same MCU visual that you know that is there. Anyone else tired of MCU yet? No? <laughs> it's like, okay, so we stop going to the movies. Like, we delete Facebook type thing. Like, why Why do we... And I was talking to my, to my boss, and I think we had this conversation, too, um, where it's okay to, to go a different tone in the movie. Because if you go to the comic books, let's pick out two random comic books or two two random marvel people um howard the duck okay and iron man you they're two completely different comics different stories different tones but they all revolve around the same universe in the comic 
So with Spider-Man comic, with a Venom comic, with an X-Men comic, they're all part of the same world, the same universe, but their tones are different. And Marvel Cinematic Universe, or the, yeah, Marvel Studios need to be okay with letting the director and the writers and 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 the visionaries to do what they need to do in order to tell that story properly. If not, it's just going to be a carbon copy of the same seasoning of the same movie, of the same shtick, of the same one-liner, oh, ha, 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 funny type of of your, your Marvel fucking movie. Which is what we've been getting for the last several years with Marvel. Even though, you know, there's some fantastic movies there and entertaining movies, it's just we know exactly what we're going to get when we go in, and that's not always a good thing. Yeah, yeah, and... W- that they got to be careful because just like you said you know when you go in when these moviegoers go in with this disposition of the movie that they're going to see and then at the end they're not going to get what they are expecting that can leave a sour taste in your mouth when you leave the the movie theater and might not want to see the next movie or the next uh mcu uh story arc movie but Regardless, I hope this movie does well. I hope they find a director. Uh, the CEO and creator of Bloomhouse uh, emailed uh, Scott Dickerson because they worked in other scary movies before together, before they both of them hit it big. And his email was just, oh, my God. Hmm. That's it. Look at her butt. <laughs> Oh my God, Scott! That, that's what it meant, you know. <laughs> Follow the link. Anyways, I don't know what that meant. Uh, yeah, we'll keep you posted on any Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness movie. Hopefully, there's a uh, a trailer. So, well, not a trailer, not a trailer, but, but uh, good we'll get news. A, yeah, we'll get good news with a good director. Hopefully, well, it is what it is. You can't. We can't control the MCU. That's Kevin Feige's job. Yeah. Oh, someone didn't turn on their left signal. I hate when they do that. But we're going to go ahead and take a quick break, and we're going to count our chickens. <laughs> we'll be right back. One. Bok, bok. Two. Bok, bok, bok. Three. Bok. Four. Bok. Five. Quack, quack. That's a duck. And we're back. We're going to be reviewing a trailer but today. Wait. How many chickens? Uh, three and one duck. Ah, okay, cool. Uh, the trailer is New Mutants. Ooh, New Mutants. It's coming out finally. We got a trailer earlier this week. The movie is going to be premiering in theaters everywhere April 3rd, 2020, and it's directed by Josh Boone, the Fault of Our Stars director, and the cast includes Massey Williams, Anya Taylor-Joy, Charlene Heaton, Alice Barga, Blue Hunt, and Henry Zaga. And the movie is about five young mutants just discovering their abilities while held in a secret facility against their will, fight to escape their past sins and save themselves. Right. Uh, so we we have been waiting for this movie for years. I find it interesting that the premiere date is the week of April Fool's. <laughs> What's going to happen? Are they really messing with us? Are you really going to stretch it that far? It I was, don't know. I don't know. It was like the day before, because uh, 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 
trailer appear, uh, premiered on a Monday, and it was Sunday night, and you were like, it's not coming out. And I, and I would tell you, Josh Boone tweeted, yeah, but it's not. I would tell you, he specifically said that he he supervised this trailer. Yeah, but it's not. It's still not going to come out. I'm still not holding my breath. Well, I've said or already said that I'm. I just I'm being cautiously skeptical because I've been waiting so long. I've been waiting so long. What do you think? Uh, watching the second trailer, I'm so excited about it. But I was excited watching the first trailer. Uh, it kind of a, a little bit. Well, what did it remind me of? It reminded me of uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, uh, Dream Warriors, Mm -hmm. where it's basically all of the final kids from Elm Street end up in in, in an insane asylum. And they they turn out to have like like little powers. Each one had their own little power in the dreams in the dream world where they could help each other and they can go into each other's dreams and fight Freddy. Um, and they do the the cool, which is actually from a Nightmare on Elm Street one, the uh, where uh, Freddy popped out of a wall. Uh, you, you know the scene I'm talking about? It's, yes, yes. It's like the like the wall stretches into yes. the form as well. So I think the movie might have gotten uh, inspiration. inspiration from a Nightmare on Elm Street series. As an X Men fan in general, I am hoping this movie rocks. I am also looking forward to seeing it, and I was floored when I found out that Anya Taylor-Joy and Massey Williams have been cast in their respectable role, both as Magique and as Wolfbane. And one thing that I noticed about the trailer and and I was looking out for was like an X. Like there was no mention that this was part of the X-Men universe. Like for someone that doesn't know going in to see this trailer, they might think it's just a new mutants. This is new mutants. Like mutants could be anything. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know what I mean? Um so and I was even looking at the what do you call it? The the title, uh the the stylized title, the font to see if maybe they hit an X in there to tell you like they did with uh Dark Phoenix. Or that that show that the um that was uh the gifted the, well the in the gifted as well the the one on FX with oh uh Legion L- was it Legion yeah That's and the and there was an X in the middle of the O so even though they didn't mention it in any of the commercials for Legion that it was part of the X Men universe you saw that little X and it was kind of like a nod to the fans and I didn't notice any any X's and if you don't know who like Magique is or anything like that which I don't. You know what I mean? You don't. You don't know. Uh, uh, maybe they're they're trying to fool the audience to see a new X Men movie. Maybe X Men is just like the audience is just tired of it. Judging by how uh, X Men Dark Phoenix did last year, I don't think it was it was that. I don't think it was that people are tired of the X Men. I just think that it was Josh Boone's idea to do a a new mutants film. I don't know, or I don't know if we're ever gonna find out where does this take place in the x-men universe if it will at all uh there was a typo in the d23 website indicating that the new mutants is part of the mcu but it was corrected and it was taken down and it is not so we're not some intern got fired over that yeah because the the 
article begins with, uh, check out the New Mutants, the the next movie in the MCU, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So people are thinking, oh my god, the New Mutants are part of the MCU. That could be a good tie-in with Doctor Strange since he does multiverse jumps and this and that and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. So we don't even know. Or this can be... Uh, Just a standalone thing like like venom is or the swan song thing for x-men uh in the fox stage because this is the last fox movie. well yeah Fo- uh, 20th century fox it's interesting X-Men. that they're giving it a uh a theater re- uh release because i was expecting it to uh go straight to to hulu. streaming or mm-hmm. hulu or you know i had a theory that they were just going to release a special edition of dark phoenix with you know a double double feature with never before seen movie which so i'm happy that we're gonna get to see this on the big screen i'm just gonna go in with an open mind maybe maybe um dr strange will show up in a in um a force field or what do you call those things a warp warp thing at the very end maybe there'll, there'll be like a surprise i doubt it but and maybe this will make billions of dollars and it'll be its own side you know mcu thing like venom you know that could be too. Uh, Alice Braga plays the doctor in this movie. She is uh, some sort of doctor to treat these kids to tap into their mutant ability. But in the th- in the trailer, you see that they cannot leave. There's some sort of force field that's preventing them to to move out and or not to move out to just leave. Uh, so I'm looking to see if this will tap into like psychological thriller or what type of suspense or horror movie this might be. Regardless, I'm super cool about it, super awesome, and I can't wait for April 3rd to come out. I can't wait as well, and I hope there's no April Fools coming our way. I don't think so. I am staying skeptical. All right, everyone, just want to give you guys a heads up. This is our 20th episode. We want to first off thank you guys, the listeners, for continuously to stay tuned and hear us rant about our favorite movies, TV shows, and music, or anything that you guys might want to listen to. Every 10 episodes, we do take a week off, so there won't be any new episodes next week. And... We hope you guys stick around and wait for us when we do the next 10. The next 10 hundred. <laughs> We're going to be episode 21 next time, which means we we will be legal and we will be wasted. Oh, so yes. get prepared for that. We are going to do the podcast wasted. I just decided just oh, now. A it's drunk, gonna po- be a drunk episode. Yes. We could do that. It's going to turn out awful. <laughs> People are going to unsubscribe. Yeah, our three our three subscribers. Cynthia, there's there's your more than three. We have like five. It's Cynthia, your brother Brenda, who probably press presses play and don't listen to it. Aw, uh, and probably your mom. My mom? No, I don't think my mom listens to it. Marita. She would have been like, Richard, you're using bad language. I Richard. will not listen to this. No, I mean she would, she'd she'd be fine. But is she? Is there any things that any new movies or music that are out? Oh, good segue. Uh, there are new movies this week coming out on Blu-ray and or DVD or your favorite streaming service. 
uh, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, is out, which was on your top ten list, yes, wasn't it? Was. It was yes. like number four with a bullet or something. Something like that. Uh, Gemini Man with <sighs> Will Smith is out. Wah, wah. We know. We know. If Everyone made, knows. Shalane flopped. Woodley knows. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jexy is out. Uh, the death of the the death and life of Justin F. Donovan is out. Beyond Law and Code Eight are all out on Blu-ray and or DVD. New music out. Uh, Bombay Bicycle Club is it has a new album out called Everything Else Has Gone Wrong. Uh, the uh, I believe it's a rock band called Halsey has main Halsey yeah H A H A L S E Y. That's a single female. Okay. It's not a band. She has an album called Manic. Uh, and Sons of Apollo has an album called MMXX. I have honestly never heard of any of these people, but it's still early in the year. And a lot of a lot of like well-known people aren't releasing albums yet. Uh, we, we're, we're hoping we'll, we're going to hear from a lot of people this year. We I know we have Alanis Morissette coming out in May. I am not getting my hopes up. I I will I I will more likely see uh, New Mutants Part Three before I see <laughs> a Fiona Apple album. Um, but you know that's it. So I think it's time for Six Degrees of Separation, where you're gonna try and stump Riz. Here it is. Ah, uh, Six Degrees of Kevin Sorbo and. Kevin Sorbo and Matthew Lillard. Matthew Lillard, the other guy from Scream. Yeah. Uh, okay. Give me a second. You know, I need to. I need to like think about it for a second. You can always edit this part out. Well, uh, to be honest, this part is the least edited because I wanted to always be as organic and as true. You know? Oh, okay. But, you know, I, just give me a second. I need a pen and paper sometimes to do this. Uh, Kevin Sorbo uh, was, of course, on Hercules, which uh, the spinoff of Hercules was Xena. Xena either appeared in a couple episodes of Hercules. I think back and forth a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my girl Lucy Lawless played Xena. Xena, uh, excuse me, Lucy Lawless... <laughs> As, you know, as cool people call her. Uh, she guest starred on one of the later seasons of The X-Files as a as a crazy robot or as a... I believe it. It's The X-Files. Oil, oil blood robot or something. Okay, with... She was on The X-Files, but she also guest starred on... Battlestar, Battlestar Galactica, uh, where I believe she was also playing a robot or some <laughs> sort of non-human type uh, humanoid thing. Interesting. I'm, I'm noticing a pattern. Uh, Battlestar Galactica, of course, also starred the amazing Mary McCormick, uh, who was in Dances with the Wolves, Donnie Darko, uh, the list goes on, but she was also in Scream 4. Uh, playing Nev Campbell's aunt. Uh, and, of course, Nev Campbell was in Scream with Matthew Lillard. 
And there you go. And our fact of the week is in Toy Story, the original Woody was a ventriloquist dummy. Executives at Disney, which co-produced the film, requested that he be changed to something else. As ventriloquist dummies were usually associated with horror movies, and they didn't want their cute family movies to be terrifying. So that's the fact of the week, and you can do whatever you want with it. Because it's not mine. Because there's no strings attached. (laughs) It's not. No, there isn't. So, we have come to the conclusion of our 20th episode. Can you believe it? It's been 20 so far. 20 episodes. I still don't know what I'm doing. But, guys, it means the world to us that you tune in every week to hear us talk about, again, our favorite movies, music, and television shows. Or just hear us rant about our usual thing. We hope you enjoy the show and we think we thank you for listening. I, by the way, know exactly what I'm doing. I feel like I'm a 100% podcast professional. I'm the bomb. Uh, okay. We want you to follow us on Instagram at PressPlayR or email us at GoPressPlay2 at gmail.com. That's GoPressPlay, the number two, at gmail.com. Any update for any updated content and... Uh, info on our show. Yep. Thank you for hanging out with us this week. We love to hear from our devoted listeners. So, you know, use that email. Yeah. And once again, this is Press Play with Augie and Riz. I'm Augie. What, what? I'm Riz. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening.